Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Okay, folks, it is time for some serious critical thinking when it comes to home buying, home selling, no, this isn't an infomercial for Andrew Coppins, the realtor with Exit Strategy Realty here in Chicago. But this is something we have got to talk about because I've seen this in the this narrative within the industry, right? Oh, my God, the housing bubble is coming. Something is coming. Ah! It is time for a Wusa moment and a come to Jesus moment. It is time for people to start really critically thinking here, Pat. And so some of the numbers I will be giving you in a moment are going to be related to the Chicago housing market. However, wherever you live, the numbers are basically the same. Okay. You might be up 30, 35% on your home prices, certain areas. This is not. This is a generalized statement coming your way, okay? But from somebody who is not just a realtor, but somebody who has been a data analyst and somebody who looks at these things from that perspective. So I, I think what we need to do here is have a real critical thinking session, Pat. Are, are you ready for that? Are, are you prepared? Uh, I'm as about as prepared as I'm going to be, even though I'm not a uh, realtor or a, an agent on the or an expert on the housing market. But um, in in fact, you were telling me a really good story off air. Yeah. And, um. So tell tell the viewers that or in the listeners, if you're watching on Rumble or listening via podcast, wherever you find your podcast, um, why don't you tell them the story that you were telling me? Because I think this sets up. Um, part and parcel of the the myth that is going on 
in the marketplace? So my my wife has a hobby, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and she likes to look up housing prices and stuff in the area. Which, by and, the way, I would suggest is not is a well, I shouldn't say is not a bad hobby. It's a very good hobby to have. You need to pay attention in in the marketplace. You really do. But continue. Yeah. So so she she likes to do this. Um, and the reason why she she usually does this anytime like we we undergo like a major home repair or remodel, which consequently we're doing because we're curious to see how that impacts our home value. We also have a bunch of houses going up around us, um, which is also going to impact our home value. So she gets very curious as to what the market says. Well, she also was looking up uh, the price of townhomes. And our first home was a townhome. The price of townhomes, or, or she found some townhomes that were for the price that, almost the price that we bought the current house that we're living in at two years ago, which is insane. Because um, we bought, when, when we bought our town, our first town home, I mean, it, it was give or take $150,000 and we sold it for more than that. But it, it you know, it, it's since gone way, way, way up um, since then. And now it's almost for what we bought this house for, which I know that this is a myth. But if, well, well, if what do you mean? What do you me, mean it to be a myth? Because people aren't necessarily spending more on their houses, right? In comparison to their income. Generally speaking, yes, that is that is the truth. So I want to so, go through this because I actually have a video that is out on my YouTube page, uh, Close with mm-hmm. Coppins, in, in which I'm actually talking about this very topic. And it's something that I was researching like two months ago in, in really steadily researching this. But I, I want people to think about some very fundamental things, right? Because, yes, it is true. Housing prices have skyrocketed. If you're in Florida, it's like, what the hell is going on, right? Right. I mean, right, we right. all hear these crazy stories of people bidding $50,000 or $100,000 over ask and they're they're getting it. But there are issues that happen when that happens, right? Can it appraise out? Do you even do you waive the appraisal? Do you do this? Do you do that? Okay? There are some real big fundamental things that people look at and go, "What the hell is going on?" right? So I understand the angst, right? And if you're a home buyer, It can seem absolutely insane. But the realities of the marketplace, right? Because everybody wants to go back to 2007 and 2008, 2009, 2006, right? When, oh my God. This isn't that. This is not that in any way, shape, or form. So I want people to think about. Okay, so could a could the bubble burst, right? The, these insanely high prices, and it might feel like to some people. And again, this is Andrew Coppins, Realtor with Exit Strategy Realty here in Illinois, licensed Illinois Realtor. I I have to disclose that speaking to you. Okay, yes, can it feel like if you're a seller, right? You could throw a dart and hit a price, and people would pay it. You might feel that way, but that's not the reality of the marketplace anywhere in this country. 
That is not the reality. That having been said, um, I want to go through some things here so that people can understand the differences in the marketplaces that have existed then and now. Okay, so number one, what were people doing in the early 2000s, Pat? Because people seem to not remember, in the early 2000s, we were seeing a similar steady increase in the, the prices of housing, right? It felt just like this in ways in which you could just throw a, a dart and you would get that price, right? I mean, we, right. you know, and I've told this story. I mean, my parents, when they sold their house, um, the house that we grew up in, we, we had built it for around 100, 110,000 total, right? Land and, and everything. And we sold it for over $220,000. Right. That's a massive amount of profit in what? Just over a decade. 13 years. They, you know, they basically made 10 grand a year. That's a lot of money back then. Today, that house, you know, that $225,000 is probably closer to four hundred dollars in today's dollars. And so you need to think about those things. But what is the difference? Well, the number one difference is this, Pat. People were leveraging their homes as collateral to buy boats and vacations and yachts and cars and all sorts of things, right? They were leveraging that equity in their home for toys, right? Right. What happened when that bubble burst? Suddenly, they didn't have the money to pay for those toys anymore because all of a sudden the equity was drained for their home. And that $50,000 they spent on that boat, suddenly their home's not worth that extra $50,000 that they took out against their home, right? That's how they got into trouble. Uh, There are other things. So I want people to understand that. Okay. So we were in the middle of this massive rise, but it was actually artificial, it wasn't real. There wasn't a real marketplace, a real demand from a buyer. And I'm about to prove it, okay, in in a multitude of ways. But number one on this list, Pat, is this. Um, What you need to know is that the average amount that a lender would like to see in your um, affordability scale. And what do they mean by that? How much of your income, how much of all of your assets, right, can you, are you spending on housing? Back in 2005, 6, 7, okay, that was at 34%. So people on average were spending 34% of their income on housing, okay? All right, so understand that. Now, the average, where they would like you to be is somewhere between 28 and 31%. 31% being on the high end of okay for mortgage lenders. What do you think that number looks like today, Pat? What do you think the average affordability of a home sits at as a percentage? It's going to be less than 25%. It is exactly 25%. People are spending less than average on housing. Now, why is that? Well, it's twofold. Number one, everything is costing more, okay? But number two, in large swaths of the marketplace, people are are earning more money than the increase in housing. Now, that's not true everywhere, but a generalized look at the economy says that 
the average person is making more money, is increasing their salary more than the home price is increasing. Again, that's not true everywhere because you can always find the, that needle in the haystack. But generally speaking, these are the truths, okay? So, that number in 2007 sat at 34%. We're talking about basically a 10% difference in the affordability of a home. So people were over-leveraging their ability to pay for a home back then. Okay? There's also this issue in the marketplace. Back in 2007, okay, $350 billion existed in mortgages given out to people with credit scores under 620. $350 billion. Because of the, the regulation and the changes in regulations, right? We now have less than $100 billion to that, that group of people. Why does that matter? Because the credit score tells you they are the riskiest pool of potential buyers and owners, right? We have also put in place mortgage insurance and all these other things that help in case things happen, okay? So there, there's that little nugget of information. We're two-thirds less leveraged with bad and risky debt in the marketplace versus last time. That was an all-time record, by the way, for the amount of people that were in that riskiest pool. That doesn't mean that you can't get a mortgage, by the way, under 620. That doesn't mean that at all. But what it does mean is that you are going to have to jump over some hurdles and pay extra money to show that you actually have the money to buy the home. They're not just giving it out like candy anymore. All right, so I want people I want people to understand that. Now, there's another aspect of the risky credit pool. How many foreclosures happened in 2007? Do you think Pat? a lot? 1.1 million rising by 2009 to 2 million. Oof. Does that matter to the housing market? It should. Okay. It really does. You are correct because you are doing what to the housing market? Flooding it with inventory at that point. Right. right. It's oversaturated, right? Now, again, what was happening in 2007, in 2009? What was happening is we were seeing a very small buyer pool. So your ability to maximize profit as a seller was tanking, right? And that's why housing prices were going down. That's why we saw this crash. In fact, since the institution of the GI Bill, Pat, that 2006 to 2010, that four-year time period, is the only time period since the institution of the GI Bill in the United States history that housing prices actually have fallen historically. That's it. It has never happened. Can they fluctuate? Yes. But when you take a look at a broader swath, okay, so why does that 1.1 to 2 million uh, number matter? Well, today, Pat, 
How many foreclosures do you think have happened in the past year? Um, I'm going to go with the... I'm going to go with less than 200,000. That's a really good educated guess. It's 38,000. Really? I didn't say anything was going to be that low. Now, you might but be yeah. saying to me, well, Andrew, they, they they had the forbearance program. Right? We had the forbearance program in place. So, of course, that's going to be low. Mm. Okay. How many people, as of the end of the for, forbearance program, were leveraged? How many people? 800,000. 800,000 people. That's it. That was all that's left in the market. What makes those 800,000 people different than the 1.1 million? Two things, Pat. Two things. Number one, 85% of them renegotiated their mortgage or their deal. Okay? 85%. So the banks and the, the owners are good. Okay? But let's just say... All 800,000 of them, let's just say all 800,000 of them were at risk of default on their mortgage. Did you know, Pat, that today 40% of all homeowners have 50% or more equity in their homes? So even if you were in trouble or unable to make your mortgage payment, what does that mean? Well... We also know that 90% of all homeowners today, 90% of them have at least 10% equity. Why do, why do those two numbers matter? Because, Pat, what could you do in today's marketplace that you couldn't do in 2007? You could pull money out of your house? No. <laughs> you could put your house on the market and sell it. Oh, yeah, that's true too, yeah. And if you've got 10 to 50% equity in your home, how much? Because what is what is the issue? They don't have money, right? They don't have anything. But if you've got 10 to above percent equity of your home, right? That covers your closing costs. When you go to close the home sale. If you've got 10%, chances are you are going to bring $0 to close. Because it will be covered by your mortgage. Because you can leverage that equity. Okay? Now, if you've got 50% equity and you're in trouble because of whatever happened during 2000 or 2021 and 2022 and 2020, right? Whatever happened to you, if you've got 50% equity in your home, you can put it on the market and get whatever you get out of it and never have to worry about paying a dime. Never. More importantly, your mortgage is very healthy at that point. The bank is very interested in making sure that that asset that pays them in can be negotiated between the two of you. But let's just say everybody magically defaults on all of those things and they have to sell. Here's the biggest difference. There isn't an artificial marketplace. There's a real massive buyer demand that exists in the marketplace today, right? Right. 
People are hungry for homes. People are putting 10, 15, 20 offers in sometimes before they get a home. So, with that having been said, even if all of them flooded the marketplace, they'd snap that demand up and there'd still be leftover demand. We have less than, in most places, less than two months of supply, is, which is a, another story for another day about how I hate that measure, but it is a measure used in the industry. Two months of supply, meaning there's, if everybody gobbled up everything, there would only be two months left on the marketplace, two months of run. So in Chicago, that's about 3,000 homes maybe 1,500 homes, somewhere in there. 800,000. How many of those 800,000 are here in Chicago? Who knows, right? Let's just say right. it's another 1,500 here in Chicago. That adds another month. An equitable, even distribution, a great, even market for everybody is about five to six months of supply. We're not even close to halfway to that mark. We have a lot of room to grow in this marketplace on the supply side. Okay. Well, I, I know in the state of Utah, we can't build homes fast enough for people. Right. And that is another issue in and of itself, right? Is that new housing starts have to be the thing that will turn this market that is imbalanced. It is imbalanced. I'm not saying that it's not. But there is a difference between the imbalance of 2006 and 7 and this imbalance. This imbalance is hot, hot, hot on demand, slow, slow, slow on people willing to, to sell out of their homes. Do you think that this ever comes back to reality? If eventually it will. But as I've spoken to other people, and as I look at some of the data and metrics that I use myself, my proprietary stuff as a former and reformed data analyst, I, I, I look at it this way, Pat. If I know how many places are coming onto the market on a given biweekly basis, because I think a week-to-week -week basis is not a good measure, you need a little more runway, and I look at that, and then I look at what's actually under contract and what physically got sold, right? What closed. In some cases, we're seeing that number in the hundreds in cities on a biweekly basis. What that tells me is that a lot of people are doing what? Sitting on their homes because they're not sure what they want to do. Even in a market like Chicago, in which we are hemorrhaging, you know, um, population to places like Nashville, Florida, Texas, right? We're still seeing that elasticity. So what all that will happen is that home prices may, they may still increase. This is, this is exactly what I've seen. The increase though is going to be less and less and less. So your 11 or 25% or in some cases 30% out in the suburbs might turn into 20, 15%. We might see that imbalance starting to come down because we're also seeing pressure on the mortgage side. So I understand it, right? But let's put this in perspective, Pat. 
Um, when you bought your home, you bought your home, what, three years ago? Two years ago. Okay. When you bought your home, what was the interest rate that you bought it at? 3.375%. 4.375? Okay. We're at roughly 5.25 on a conventional mortgage right now. 5.35. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is that means you can f- afford about fifty thousand less on a home than you could at that three point three seven five. Okay, right, somewhere in there, depending on where you live. Okay, um, that matters, but what does that do? It slows the growth of prices, right? Because you have to be able to meet where the buyer can can afford. So yes, that does lower the overall pricing in the marketplace but here's the rub what can be afforded again that affordability scale there's room to grow right we're not even close to an average of 28 to 31 percent we're not even close to there there's a five or six percent range in which people can can grow into and that's not to mention all the different programs that are out there all of those things we have room to grow still so what I have predicted for a very long time, and again, you can check out my Close with Coppins YouTube page, um, but what I've been predicting is that by the by the end of May, beginning of June, you're going to see buyer demand start to start to flatten out, which is normally not the case. Normally, that is late July, early August. We're going to see that starting to flatten out sooner rather than later. And so prices will reflect that, but they still will grow. They're just not going to grow as fast. Is that a, is that the housing bubble popping? No. We're not going to see some cratering of the marketplace. That's just not going to happen. Why? Because we also see rent prices, like I've talked to you off air, grow exponentially. The average rent price is increasing almost 25% nationwide. Yeah, it's awful to rent. It is brutal to rent right now. Mm. And so what what is driving that home buyer demand? It's number one, more space, right? Or a different type of space, right? But number two, the the amount of people owning homes is larger than it's ever been in the history of this country. Why? Because people see rent and renting not as a viable option for them. They see it as I'm spending more on my I'm spending more money on somebody else's mortgage, right? Than, right. than I would be spending on my own. And in some cases, they're paying two, $3,000 for rent in which that same place, if they bought it, right? If they bought it at market rate, they'd be paying 15, maybe 1,800. They're losing money every single month. So when they see that number, when they see all of those things combined, that's what's really driving that demand, right? Is right. that going to go away? No. Sure, there are things that are out of fundamental whack with this market. There absolutely are. But we could be at the beginning of just a different world when it comes to housing. Again, I point to the number one indicator of affordability, and I will also point to how many people own homes. It's different than 15, 20 years ago when that number was in the maybe 50s, right? Maybe 48, under 50% of people owned their home. Today, it's 60 plus percent. So when you get to that range, Pat, what else happens? 
Well, if you see your home price increasing 25, 30%, right? Or or 14, 15%. And in some cases, people have seen over $50,000 of equity in one year's time. When you see that, what does that do to your ability to buy a new home? It only increases the ability and the price that you can afford and the amount of home, quote unquote, that you can afford. Are we going to see a price drop of $50,000, $60,000 and all of a sudden um, people are just going to stop demanding homes? No. Not until we get to the 8 9% range of, of um, interest rates. Now, can inflation change that? Could we get into a place where hyperinflation is in place and we're in real trouble? Of course. All of those things could happen. But what I'm trying to get across to people here, and hopefully you are understanding this, is that this is all a bunch of scare tactics. And most importantly, the fundamentals of the old bubble don't exist. So even if the bubble burst, what would happen? What is the worst thing that could possibly happen? We come down to a marketplace in which the buyer and seller are on even playing field? Would that be the worst thing in the world? Is that a bad thing? No. So home prices are still going to increase. They're just not going to increase at the insane rates. You're not going to see, you know, 30 offers on, on that home that goes to market. And most importantly, here's a good piece of advice. If your home needs severe updating, don't do it. Put it on the market, but put it on the market at fair market price. If your home has maybe a kitchen that needs to be updated or bathrooms that are 15 years old, right? If that's the case, maybe spend that money because you will get it back. But here's the thing. Most people that are our age, Pat, or younger actually don't mind doing the work. Why? Because they prefer to, to update and upgrade it the way they want it done. So, Let's say you bought your house for $150,000 20 years ago. It's worth $350,000. Do you need to, to spend $100,000 to get $150,000 extra in your sale price? No. No, you don't. You have massive amount of equity to buy up or scale down however you need to do it. This is... In, this is Sure, unprecedented times, but my argument is that this is a new market. The fundamentals of 20 years ago that everybody wants to talk about, the economist at, at NAR, the National Association of Realtors, the, the people at your local real estate uh, board want to talk about, don't necessarily matter the way that they used to. We have to get used to talking about real estate in different terms now. That's the reality that's in front of us. So this has been your PSA from Andrew Coppins when it comes to your home. But seriously, folks, please, please, dear God, stop with this narrative. Oh, there's going to be a housing crash. No. no. We just have too much actual demand. And um, how do I put this, Pat? Um. The risk that banks are taking today versus the other 
side is the number one thing that I could point to for a housing crash not happening. They're not leveraged the way that they were before. So, okay, so prices go down. So what? The banks haven't, the prices that are going down are high end, not low end, right? Not not low credit or not high credit scores, but low credit scores or low credit scores are going to be much, much better off today. Okay, I can get out of my house at 10% down. You know, I've got 10%. I put 5% down or 3% down and I incre- increase my equity to 10%. 90% of everybody who owns a home today can get the hell out. And if you're in that 10%, the market can absorb whatever happens to you. It can be just as simple as that. Now, with that having been said, Pat, I, it is a WTF Wednesday, correct? It is. Mm. Should we uh, play the B or not the B and get into WTF Wednesday? We should. Are you ready for today's headline? Um, after that PSA from Andrew Coppin's real tour with Exit Strategy Realty here in Chicago, yes, yes, I am. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Today's headline: Billionaire accomplishes more free, for free speech in one afternoon than Republicans have in decades. Billionaire accomplishes more for free speech in one afternoon than Republicans have in decades. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. While you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins, folks, if you haven't gone to Funly.com yet to support uh, DM, Dave, Faith, and what's their dog's name again? Mr. Clarence. Mr. Clarence. If you haven't done that yet, please do so. There's, what, eight days left now for the uh, Funly account? That is correct, Pat. Um, and, uh, and with eight days left, uh, Andrew has has pledged to match up to $20. Correct. If you make a $20 donation or above, I will match the first $20 of your donation. Right. Correct. So um, if you have, so if you haven't gone there yet, me up they can really it, use the help. They are good people. That's how many people have taken me up on that? No, zero, zero. Okay. Well, hopefully that'll change here in the next couple of days because we know how all these things work. You know, you get to the towards the end of one of these things, people start making donations again. So um anyway, go to funly.com. How about uh, DM and his family? Help them get back on their feet, get their house back, get their business back. It would mean a lot to them. So please do so. Um let's just go by going to funly.com. And you can also go to American Pride Roasters. Dot com and start uh, buying coffee again. It might be a little bit slower than usual, but you can do that as well. So that's AmericanPrideRoasters.com. AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Billionaire accomplishes more for free speech in one afternoon than Republicans have in decades. Is this the B or not the B? Andrew Coppins, your answer. I'm sorry, one more time. Billionaire accomplishes more for free speech in one afternoon than Republicans have in decades. Hmm. I'm going to go with this being not the B because this is damn true. Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. But this is this is one of those things where, hey, Babylon B, probably. But uh, it is also true. So I'm well, going to go with not the B, though. 50 bucks to uh, Dominic Izzo's uh, Ponzi scheme MLM money. Yeah. Uh, um, and, 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 uh, it is actually eccentric billionaire accomplishes more for free speech in one afternoon than Republicans have in decades. That's is that not true? Oh, oh, it's true. It's true. This just happens to be a Babylon B headline. 
According to sources, an eccentric immigrant entrepreneur from South Africa just accomplished more for free speech than Republicans have in decades, controlling the government, wielding federal power, and spending trillions of dollars. Well, who is this guy? He's really making us look bad here, said one Republican senator. This Twitter deal is a huge step forward for freedom of expression. Wow. Imagine if other conservative wealthy people did stuff like that instead of funding our re-election campaigns. Um, wait, I didn't mean that. Scratch that. <laughs> are, are you recording this? Experts uh, concur that Twitter being purchased by a private entity instead of publicly owned by shadowy corporate interests and foreign governments will help secure Twitter's place as a free speech platform. Wait, 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 Pat, 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 Pat. We don't need to go any further. There's breaking news from MSNBC. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Uh, excuse me? Free speech. It's called a free speech absolutist. Uh Does that mean that you gotta... This is the part of the culture that I don't understand, right? if, If you don't associate with something, if you don't participate in something... But uh, if something is allowed to go on around you, quote unquote, right? Somehow you tacitly support said nefarious thing. Insert whatever in from the wokest of the woke, right? Uh, no. It just means that I... Here's the rub. I don't support it. <laughs> I, I physically don't... It, no. Uh, do you see me interacting with it? No. Do you see me... If you're not actively against it, you support it. Uh, what the hell are you talking about? And then more importantly, uh, Mr. MSNBC reporter, what do you think Twitter has been doing for the past decade? Literally that. Welcome to the conservative argument against Twitter for the past, what, five years at least? Isn't this the hilarious part, though? Because those that were just if you go back just a year, just a year when we were having all of these hearings with uh, Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and uh, what is it? This uh, section section 230. And all that stuff and all this free speech stuff on on big tech platforms. It, it's It's hilarious to me to almost see some of those narratives flip from the other side. Now, now you want, you want free, you, you want certain things. It just, it, it's silly to me. That's insane. I mean, this, this, this whole thing is just insane. Uh, how, uh, 
like I said on Twitter, I, let me let me pull up the exact words that I used when I referenced this. Um, where's this guy been for the last decade, right? Right. And, but also, is this or is this not, Pat? The best example of the echo chamber that the leftists are living in. And yes, the right has an echo chamber, too. I'm not, yes, not, not saying that they don't. But is this or is this not a great example of the echo chamber of the left? His mind is suddenly blown that that this could be a possibility for Twitter. It was already the reality for everybody who didn't believe the leftist crap that you believe. And more importantly, Pat, we can pro we can prove ourselves that Twitter's algorithms and its trust and safety guidelines, right? And and all that stuff are totally arbitrary. They are enforced, at least arbitrarily. How do I know that? Correct me if I'm wrong. We both used the quote unquote dead names of uh, Richard Levine and um, oh, you Will, mean Dick? Will Thomas, right? Yeah, w w Will Thomas and Dick Levine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We used their names. Mm -hmm. That is against the terms of service of Twitter, correct? It is. I have at least a decent enough following that uh, that should have. See you later. You should have been at least a 12-hour suspension, right? And oh, take I, it down. I believe I got a little bit of interaction out of it. It wasn't much. It was only maybe a couple of people, but. No, no, no. I'm not talking about interaction. I'm talking about them literally taking well, right it should have been it should i should have had my account suspended by their own terms and services and it didn't happen yep we're, but we're infinitesimal compared to some of these other people we're just not we're not big enough apparently and that's fine but the, but the standard should be the same shouldn't matter if you have 10 followers or 10 million 10, or 100 million right doesn't matter doesn't matter. It's insane. It's all insane. But it is also WTF Wednesday, so why don't we move on? So, speaking of MSNBC, I have this for you. Oh. Well, I, I, of course, we are mourning the, the loss of his life, and we are grateful for the work of every National Guardsman. I would note that the National Guard work for the states, and so he is an employee of the Texas, Texas National Guard, and his efforts and his operation were directed by there, not by the federal government. Uh, in this in this effort, in this apparatus, uh, we've, we've long stated that our immigration system is broken. There needs to be more done to invest in smarter security, to have a more effective asylum processing system and we would welcome any efforts to uh for for any elected officials to work with us on that <clears throat> so we haven't covered this story yet uh-huh but um a 22 year old texas national guardsman died um trying to save people who were drowning in the rio grande river um i think at eagle pass texas um, over the weekend. Uh-huh. Happens to be black. Turns out the people he ended up saving, because they did get saved, were drug smugglers. Oh! Alleged drug smugglers. 
because they haven't been convicted yet. Sure. Okay. You know, just something about like 50 pounds of coke on them and some other oh, stuff. Yeah. You know. But anyway, um, what the hell was that? In a response to um, what do you have to say that I, I, I want people to understand this, okay? This happened over the weekend. The question wasn't even asked until Tuesday. Yeah, how's why wasn't this on Monday? If or how about on Sunday? Right. Because if this would have happened and um let's say this was some crackhead getting their head busted in illegally by uh by a cop. Oh, you've been all over the news. Totally yeah. wrong, right? Right. Totally wrong. They would have been all over it. They would have had a statement out within minutes, if not hours, let alone 24, 48, 72 hours. So my point in all of this is to say, this isn't a whataboutism. This is, this is what their priority is. This is who they are. They don't care about a National Guardsman. Did you notice how everything was just pushed off on Texas? This is a petty political issue for them. This isn't about that man's life, which, by the way, did you notice he risked his life regardless of what these people were doing or who they were? He cared about their humanity. Numero uno for him, the the man who lost his life, right? Jumped in to... Save people who were drowning, knowing he could have drowned, right? He cared about their humanity above anything else. Do you see the same respect for his humanity by Jimmy's older sister? No. No, you don't. You don't see it from this administration. Why? Because they're too busy giving a crap about their political agenda. They're too busy worrying about Greg Abbott versus Joe Biden, right? Oh, this is, I'll point you that this is the National Guard, and this wasn't at a federal directive. Oh, really? You mean to tell me the federal government wouldn't want uh, the CBD, right? The, the, uh, the Border Patrol to jump in and save a human being? Just watch them drown? Are we going Johnny Cash on this? Is that is that what we're doing here? What what the hell is going on? How can you be that callous about a man's life like that? This man's a hero. How how do you not just say, hey, you know, um, we we feel bad, um, you know, we understand his dedication to the country the dedication to the National Guard of Texas, and, you know, we should hold him up as a hero, willing to save lives and sacrifice his life in service of others, again, regardless of whom they were and what they were or weren't doing that was legal or illegal. How hard is that? And yet we have this callous of a response she spent five seconds, maybe five seconds, caring about that individual. And the rest of it, trying to play politics. That's insane. So please top it for me on WTF Wednesday, Pat. Well, 
well, you know, every now and again, I like to do some uh, more fun headlines rather than uh, strictly political headlines. So I've got a good one for you. This oh one made me laugh. Woman falls headfirst into the toilet of an outhouse while trying to recover her cell phone with a dog leash. What? Woman falls headfirst into a toilet of an outhouse mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. trying to recover her cell phone with a dog leash. So she had to be rescued by firefighters because she fell through the toilet of an outhouse in Washington state. She was trying to recover her cell phone that she had dropped. Um, um, hat. Yeah. It's a cell phone. Get a new one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's I, I your answer. Moron one Oh one. I ain't going, I ain't going in there. What? Um, Seriously, she tried. She tried to get it out for like twenty minutes, though. And then, and, uh, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. it, get a new one. Uh, I mean, you can get a almost brand new iPhone thirteen, maybe not the Max Pro model, but an iPhone thirteen for free. What? the hell is wrong with you i'm in a mood um according see, to see, the uh, see ha ha, ha that, but it's not even that that story's not even funny it's just stupid how it dumb is stupid. it is stupid it made me laugh but because it was stupid but but here's the fire chief the or the, excuse me the um yeah the department chief uh, um chief uh, said so he'd been doing this for 40 years, and this was a first. Well, of course, because nobody is that dumb. <laughs> or at least shouldn't be that dumb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, I got another one for you. This headline is, what could $44 billion have done for the climate crisis? CNN writer asks amid news of Elon Musk striking deal to buy Twitter. Quick answer, nothing. <laughs> uh, Jesus, yeah. Mary and Joseph. No, I, I mean, seriously. And, and I, this is the self-important Twitter crowd, right? And, and I actually talked about this on Twitter. I actually did, right? Mm -hmm. Musk can spend $44 billion on a company, but he won't spend it to end world hunger and homelessness. Blah, because blah, it won't blah, do blah. it. Right? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat. We have spent at least a trillion on homelessness and hunger yeah. over the course of the last decade. Ish. At least. It, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but homelessness is more of a problem today than it was before. Yes. Um, there yes. are more homeless people today than 10 years ago. By a magnitude of 100 times. Okay? More people are homeless today. Look at San Francisco, Pat. Look at LA, right? Look at Chicago. Look at New York City. Look at the homelessness. The rampantness of it. I mean, crying out loud, there are people shooting up in front of Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. There's homeless... The, the, all the things that we've talked about over the last two years, right? We can't solve that. But $44 billion. You know what? That... that 
that's just, you know what? If they just spent $44 billion more, it would just be over. It is the most idiotic, insane, stupid thought process since I heard about a woman spending 20 minutes trying to get a stupid cell phone out of a porta potty. <clears throat> you ready for another one? Are, are you just trying to make me blow my stack today? Mm. Well, I, I guess we'll find out. Um, Democrat senator demands algorithmic justice in the wake of Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. <clears throat> Two questions. Number one is, um, is this individual 75 or older? Uh, most likely. I actually don't know his age. Who is that most senator? Likely. Ed Markey, Democrat of Massachusetts. Okay. <clears throat> oh, what do you know? Born 1946. He is 75 years old. I was gonna say most likely. I just I didn't know his age, but yeah. Um, um, um. Hey, Pat. Yeah. Um, can an algorithm? Wusa. Uh, <sighs> Does Ed Markey know what the bleep an algorithm is? I'm going to guess no. Probably not. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but an algorithm is what? Um, it's code, code and math uh -huh. put together yeah. to get an outcome right. that is literally based off of artificial intelligence, right? That is based off of numbers and numbers only. Data, essentially. Or data, right, mm -hmm. data points, right? Because so you can turn, you know, your name or whatever into data points, blah, 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 blah. Basic gist of an algorithm is that it has no way to know unless you actually physically input a racial identification or a gender or a sex identification into it, any of that information. It's literally blind justice. Uh, well, should be. You can tune an algorithm for bias, right? You could do that because we see it all the time with Twitter, with other places, right? So please enlighten me as to this algorithmic um, algorithmic, algorithmic um, justice situation. We could we we can do that if we prove that it's racially biased, right? Let me guess that's where he's going with this. Well, you see, um, Markey argued that having a, a handful of billionaires in control of major social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram was an unacceptable scenario and called on Congress to act to restrain them. Says that Elon Musk, a handful uh, and and a handful of billionaires now have dangerous influence over the most powerful online platforms. Markey tweeted on Tuesday afternoon, "They can't be trusted, and self-regulation has failed. We must pass laws to protect privacy and promote algorithmic justice for internet users, especially for kids." 
And on that note, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And Jen Sucky really is a soulless ginger. Please be smart, be safe, be kind, and screw your al- algorithmic blah, blah, blah justice. <laughs> On that note, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.